Hello and welcome to Beckett Talks, the new podcast from Leeds Beckett University. In these podcasts, we'll be showcasing our diverse community of students and academics, touching on the important themes that surround universities today. I'm Sarah Cardwell and today I'm joined in the studio by Professor John O'Hara and Dr Barney Wainwright from Carnegie School of Sport. They formed a multidisciplinary team of specialists to support Ian Rivers' rowing challenge across the Atlantic. Ian Rivers, a former SAS soldier, approached John and Barney to help prepare him for his challenge. The team have worked with him on physiology, psychology, nutrition, physiotherapy, body mapping and strength and conditioning. We're going to hear about how they've prepared him and will continue to support him throughout the 95 days or more challenge, which will see him row 3,100 miles. John and Barney, thanks for joining me. John, if you can start by introducing yourself and explaining how you got involved in helping Ian with this challenge. So I'm Professor John O'Hara um, within the Carnegie School of Sport at Leeds Beckett University and I'm the director of the Centre for Human Performance. Um, the Carnegie School of Sport um, has, has quite a rich history of supporting um, ultra-endurance um, events, um, whether that's been to um, supporting people climbing Mount Everest, um, helping people in their preparations for running across America or taking part in the Marathon de Saabs or sort of polar expeditions. Um, and I've personally known uh, Ian and the school's known Ian since probably 2004 uh, when we supported um, the British Army's um, attempt to summit Mount Everest via the West Ridge in 2006. Um, so when Ian um, was in the final sort of couple of years running towards this challenge, um, he sort of approached me to see whether or not as a school and university we could provide him with some support in this challenge to row across the Atlantic. Excellent. So we've obviously got a lot of experience in this type of thing. What was the, the first step that you had to do once Ian approached you and said he'd like the support in the preparation? So I suppose the first step in any of these um, applied projects is to get an understanding of the challenge. Um, and for us to then understand also what Ian's um, needs are in terms of what benefit he feels we could add to the project and and his preparations for, for such a um, endurance challenge. Um, so we we sat down with Ian and, and, and had several conversations about how how the expertise at the university, um, which is vast in terms of um, applied physiologists, psychologists, nutritionists, um, biomechanists um, and physiotherapists could support his preparations. And obviously it was very much a team effort. How did you go about sort of getting the team together to work on that? I'm Dr Barney Wainwright. I'm a senior research fellow in the Carnegie School of Sport and um, I work across physiology and biomechanics and tend to get involved in, in research and support projects which are a bit more orientated around kind of sports performance really. Um, in, in this context, um, yeah, shortly after Ian got in touch with, with John really, we, we kind of got together and started to think about what support Ian would need and we had quite a, a nice chat um, with Ian understanding about his challenge maybe his kind of the rationale behind why why he wanted to do it but interestingly Ian, Ian's got a really rich rich history of of sport of other sporting events and obviously with his his kind of military background he's, he's got an awful lot of experience just in in pretty tough situations um, which require a balance of kind of 
um, a lot of kind of decision making, um, you know, on very quick decision making in kind of high risk environments. Um, and with an with awful lot of experience of how he can operate from a kind of physical and mental perspective. He came into this with a lot of sailing experience, um, a lot of kind of triathlon, so multi-sport endurance experience and fitness as well. So he's actually in a really good place to start with. You know, it wasn't like we were starting with someone who has no experience of, of being on the ocean or of, of training and, and exercising day after day. Obviously, this this challenge is is probably at the top end of, of what he'd previously experienced and, and what he was after, I think, with this challenge was was something to really push himself in all in all ways. You know, he, he didn't want to do it as a, as a pair, he wanted to do it on his own. He wanted to do, you know, a long crossing rather than a short crossing. Um, he wanted to do it with um, without any navigational assistance, so he's not taking a GPS with him. So he's kind of going back to the kind of the, the early crossings, like historically to some of the early transatlantic crossings, which were also completed by military, um, ex, ex-military people when that was the days before the G- GPS. So so we were kind of taking all that into account when we were trying to work with him, say, well, what, what support can we give him? And so as much of it was kind of finding out with his background is what what gaps in his knowledge that he had. So he was quite specific, really. And when we went through it, there was an awful lot of things he'd already covered off. So he, he needed some help with his his preparation for the event, just getting fit enough. Um, we wanted to make sure he wasn't going to suffer any injuries during the route, or at least try and minimise that risk. Um, so so we, we brought in one of our colleagues from the uh, Clinical Applied Sciences, the School of Clinical Applied Sciences to do that, Jason Hind. Um, we want to look at his kind of how well he moves, if he's got any kind of movement imbalances or any dysfunction that might at some point give him some problems as well. Um, we want to look at his, his understand his fitness. So um, where his current fitness levels lay, um, what he needs to do in training to, to, to get to a point where he was kind of robust enough and had a, a good enough fitness base um, that would sustain his, him rowing for several hours, well, many hours each day. Um, we wanted to make sure that from a nutritional point of view, he was going to get the right kind of nutrition in and, um, uh, and that was going to match his energy requirements. And, you know, this isn't just a few weeks, this is, this isn't kind of three months. So the context of that is quite a lot different. You know, if you, if you do start to become deficient in any kind of macronutrients, then, you know, there's, there's nowhere else you can get this, you know, get the food, you've got to take it all with you. So there's no point in having enough food for 60 days, if you know it's going to take you to 90 days. Um, and, he, and he wanted to understand a bit more about, um, so he wanted to understand those things, um, how he could be robust and cope with that challenge. And he, he just, he also wanted some psychological support as well. So, so across, across that whole challenge, there was a number of things, most things he was in a, in a good place for. And we were just kind of helping kind of shore up some of the gaps he had. Um, in his either his knowledge or his, his his current fitness or preparation, if you like. So very much a team effort. And I know you've sort of mentioned the various areas that you had to look at. I understand that as well as sort of academics involved, there were some students that were part of the team. Yeah, that's, that's right. We had a, because of all those, this the kind of requirements he had, I mean, luckily we've got a, a really um, broad depth of knowledge and skill sets across the school. Um, and, and across the, the university as well, when we pull in um, our colleagues from clinical applied sciences. So um, it was really a matter of pulling in the right people and, and those people that really wanted to get involved to help. So there was we had we had staff across 
you know, across physiology, across um, biomechanics, strength conditioning, um, nutrition, and uh, and psychology. And we also managed to provide some opportunities for some of our students to get involved. So in physiology, we had three of three of our kind of um, uh, students who are on supervised experience with us. And um, so this was Anna Nicholson Little, Craig Robertson, and Dan Snape. And they got they got their hands dirty in the lab with Ian. Um, Ian actually came over twice. Um, so we were able to to kind of see him in an initial part of his specific preparation for his event. And then um, I think it was about two and a half months later. So when he he'd got really thoroughly into the, the detail of his training and his preparation, um, and then we were able to reassess him. And those guys did a, a great job of, of of capturing a lot of his data in the lab, which we could then you know analyze after the event, you know uh, after each visit, and and give him more feedback as to how he needed to maybe adapt and modify some of his training and his approaches to his to his preparation. And what's it like being able to provide that sort of opportunity for students? That must be a fantastic uh, chance for them to be involved in something like this. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, we, we very much work on a basis that when we've got a big project like this that requires a huge team effort that we try and engage students. Um, one for their for their learning experience because it's, it's an experience which is additional to their course but it's actually really important so barney mentioned there the the, the three students that are involved and they're um they're all working towards um uh, sort of our national society um uh, basic sports science support accreditation so this work um, and the hours with this work then goes towards their portfolio um but it also allows students students to apply the academic knowledge they've learned within teaching um, into a practical scenario and a real life scenario. You know, we can we can mock things up in a in a laboratory, not as much this year, unfortunately, um, due to the um, due to the pandemic. Um, but it allows them to, as I say, is, is use that information and knowledge that they've gained and put it into real life um, practice with a with a real life client doing a really um, uh, fantastic challenge. The Carnegie School of Sport at Leeds Beckett University is one of the largest providers of sport in UK higher education. Recently investing £45 million in a new home for sport, the new building provides world-class sporting facilities and also acts as a hub for elite athletes, sports and industry partners. With courses in sport, exercise and health sciences, physical education, sports management and sports coaching, the school takes an interdisciplinary approach to teaching and research, enabling the students to graduate with the skills needed to succeed in an evolving sport and physical activity industry. So if any of these subjects interest you, go to leedsbeckett.ac.uk forward slash CSOS for more information. So obviously very much a team effort. How will you be all supporting him once the challenge begins and he's got his sort of 90 plus days of rowing? Yeah, so what, we, what we've done is, is um, while we've been working with Ian, we've also been looking very much forward to, um, you know, in advance to what we need to have in place for him during the event itself. And, and that's obviously been a conversation with him um, and working out what's going what's gonna to be useful for him and what kind of what kind of things he can measure without taking a whole lab with him and spending hours every day collecting data to send back to us. So it's so it's just a bit of a kind of a bit of a balance between some real practical measures that he can measure easily that he can feed back to us, 
and that, that are also useful and meaningful to us so that we can we can help him so that and just just before i get into the detail of what we're doing i mean the the, the key balance here is um he's he's obviously gonna have to do a lot of rowing every day which is um energy consuming um and his body will need quite a lot of recovery from that and it also need a lot of fueling um so a lot of nutritional input to fuel that but also to help his body recover from that because what we don't want to do is him gradually kind of deteriorate over that three month period he's, he's got to stay he's got to stay well and healthy his immune system's got to hold up well, we don't want any injuries um so we don't want his body to break down so he's always going to be in this balance of uh, of, of not really going too much kind of negative energy balance for any any period of time so we so that's the key thing for him it's like pacing his his how much effort he puts in each day and there'll be some days when he can't row at all if it's just the, the weather's too bad but there'll be some days where the weather's really good and it's easy to row um, and he can make up some good ground so so we want data that can help us um, under, understand whether he's got that balance right or whether he's, he's got it out of kilter and, and if it is out of kilter helping to feedback to get it get it back on track so we, we've worked with them on a, on a number of things so he's um, before the event um, he spent quite a lot of time sourcing various ration packs um, so you know just as you might might imagine you know these are, these are kind of dried foods you know in a in a in sealed um, vacuum pack bags that he can then just add kind of add water to so on his boat he's got a water maker so obviously although he's on the ocean that, that as, as most people know that you can't drink that water and you need to convert it into drinkable water so he's got a water maker on his boat which is essential because without that he's he's not really going very far at all and that's going to supply him with water that he can both drink but also cook with so he can add that um, add, add that to the meals so there was a period in advance where he was kind of sourcing these he was trialing them making sure that they were they were palatable because obviously he's not gonna have a huge menu with him he's got to take everything with him um so 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 that that's the first thing that um that we had to kind of give him some good feedback as to whether the content and the volume that he was taking was sufficient is there any additional input we can put into that um and additional variety in terms of snacks as well and all those kind of things so he's going to be recording each day how much what, what he's eating out of these ration packs and he, obviously he's going to be quite sparing with that he's put that into kind of daily and then weekly packs um we're gonna we've set up a system in the boat so we can measure his, his mass so it's like a hanging scales so we can literally kind of get into a little harness that he sits in and and hang off that so maybe not every day but quite regularly see how his body mass is changing and hopefully that's remaining fairly stable um he's also going to be collecting some um some resting heart rate variability data every every morning upon kind of waking and that's going to give us an idea of his his hrv his heart rate variability but but how well his overall body is is coping with the the physical and mental stresses um he's going to be reporting on how much his sleep he's getting we're going to be um, measuring his his heart rate through normal kind of heart rate strap devices and and those and he's also going to be re recording um uh, um, kind of when when he's rowing, how often, frequently, number of hours, those kind of things, and that information is going to be. It's kind of we're reliant on on technology for that in his boat. So he's got a satellite comm system for both uh, speaking and for data transfer. So we'll we will be able to email each other and send files. So on a daily basis, he's using a couple of apps that will be sending data up to us that we'll get remotely. Um, and then, and then just other, otherwise, these are simply through some some spreadsheets that you can email. So nothing too technically complicated. No huge files that will struggle on the bandwidth. 
So we're going to get that information every day, and we're going to be um, we're going to be um, processing that data, looking at the trends over time, and probably giving him feedback to start with, probably every day. And as we get into a bit of a routine and a structure, that will that will start to probably reduce, I imagine, in frequency, unless we see some some negative trends happening that we need to get on top of straight away. Um, and that'll be then you know with our team because the whole team will have that information, and so we'll be able to discuss amongst ourselves. You know what do we need to do in each of our respective areas from a, a physiology a psychological a nutritional area we can we can start to feedback um, and, and discuss amongst ourselves what what you know whether we're happy with it what needs to be put in place what do you need to change and those changes could be very simply just need to row less you <laughs> um, might need to um, just change how he's rowing into smaller bouts or longer bouts maybe he needs to take a day off every, every now and again to recharge batteries um, those, those kind of things we're looking at um, maybe it needs to get the water, make sure that the water maker's working really well um, and efficiently and getting more fluid down him. So we're monitoring the, his kind of hydration status as well. All these kind of things, they're all, they all kind of map together. So that's how we're going to be working, really. Um, and um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how he's, how he's managing with that. Um, so, yeah. And I guess working on something like this, you do become pretty sort of personally invested in it because it's, it's obviously a challenge that he's taken on, but you're very much part of it, really. How does it feel to be part of it all? Yeah, I mean, interesting to a point. I mean, I think I think we've all over, over the months we've been working with him. You know, there's there's been quite a num number of people involved um, from from our school, and you know, bit by bit, you get kind of more drawn into it, and particularly as it gets closer, and you kind of understand the magnitude of the, the challenge. Um, you know, our, our parts are very small in it. You know, this is with you know, it's been it's been really good, nice to be involved in it, and um, and it will continue to be, and and yeah, you 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 know you, you do feel for him. I've been talking to him a little bit while he's been in his various states of kind of quarantine as he's getting been getting over to the to the US and and you know talking about when he's stuck in a hotel room for for a couple of weeks and things like that. Uh, you know, and you can see he's getting really frustrated. Because uh, he's used to being out and about and training and on on the ocean and on the water, but um, so yeah, you you kind of see his personal journey in that as well and how he's approaching it, and that's quite engaging and, and really interesting from that point of view. Um, so it will as it unfolds, I think it will become, you know, I think we'll be we'll all be drawn into it that a little bit more. I mean, John, you know, you you know him, you've known him for longer, and so you've obviously seen him in different environments as well. I mean, how do you? What's your perspective on on? On yeah, how how he's been kind of progressing into the challenge. Yeah, I think um, Ian Ian's very methodical in in, in his approach, um, as Barney's outlined. He's very knowledgeable, and I think we've we've added to what was already, I think, a very good um, uh, program, and have helped him just tweak things around 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 the edges to sort of maximise his performance. Also, I think it's it's, it's worth mentioning. Um, you know, for, for us, it's it's a great opportunity in terms of being able to put our knowledge into practice and to be able to talk about such challenges to our students within our undergraduate or postgraduate um, modules. But also, I, I, I think, you know, something that we haven't mentioned so far, um, you know, is the fact that we're playing a small part, as Barney said, in, in helping Ian um, with this challenge, but Ian's ultimately, you know, he's raising money for charity through the SAS Regimental Association, Association Sentinels program and for St. Michael's Hospice in, in Herefordshire. Um, so we're not just supporting the challenge, we're supporting Ian in, in raising money for charity, which, I, you know, um, I think, you know, for all of the team, 
yes, it's about supporting Ian, but also there's a there's a there's a slightly wider picture um, that we need to we need to look at here, and I think we're all proud to help him in him trying to raise some money for those two important charities. Thanks, John. Before Ian left for his challenge, we had the chance to speak to him about his collaboration with Carnegie and how they were helping him prepare. I've been working with uh, Leeds Beckett Sports Science Department in um, trying to get into peak, peak condition really for the row and it's kind of evolved over the year and so cardiovascularly I've built a diesel engine so at low revs, a low heart rate, I get maximum efficiency out of the body and also it uses the, uh, the fats, the fat stores in the body rather than the glycogen stores so they're easier to refuel. In terms of bulking up, I've probably now put on about five kilos, roughly about a stone. Luckily for me, it's turned into muscle and, and the body fat stayed the same. So that really just purely because I'm doing a lot of strength work to get the upper body and the lower back in a position to, uh, to take on the challenge. How many hours per day do you think you'll be rowing for? I'm not sure yet exactly what that'll look like, but if I leave at the end of May, it's coming up to the summer solstice in June. So there's quite a lot of daylight and obviously going past that. So it's big sort of like daylight windows because I don't particularly want to be rowing at night because I can't see what, what weather conditions or waves are coming my direction. So it's, it's a, little bit too, a little bit too dangerous to row at night for myself because I'm on my own. So I'll be using the daylight hours to row and probably a working day, if you want to look at it like that, probably about a 10 to 12 hour working day. That will look like probably about nine hours on the oars given lunch breaks and things like that. It's discipline really in that, in that sense and, and that's one thing that the military taught me is the basic hygiene and discipline. So when you're finishing at the end of the day or even halfway through the day that you are cleaning your hands, you are making sure they're clean so when you go to sleep at night they can heal. Certainly for the body it's washed, your feet are dry so when you sleep at night your body's got a chance to recover. And that goes down to uh, eating as well, making sure that you, um, you eat the right nutrition to ensure that after all that hard day hard day at the office on the oars that your body does actually start to recover and it doesn't degrade. You're eating quite a planned diet so talk us through that you're sponsored by it's grenade I can see there lots of grenade bars but but how much work has gone into planning what you're going to eat each day? Nutrition is extremely important and one thing I've got once I set off I can't change it so whatever I take I, I need to be able to eat so over the last year, I've been eating lots of different things, including the grenade bars, which are, uh, are really good, actually, and the protein powders. But I've got a lot of dry food and um, what they call boil-in-a-bag food, pre-prepared food. And I worked with the nutrition department at uh, Leeds Beckett University, and they've come up with um, a suggested menu and a suggested routine of eating it. So they said, come up with a 10-day menu, which I have done, they suspect I needed about 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram, which, which I've put into the diet. And every 10 days, the menu then reverts to the same menu. So hopefully for 90 days, I shouldn't have more than one or two meals each 10 days the same. The diet on the boat, there's, there's more than enough nutrition on there to, uh, to keep me in peak condition. And these are what? Is, that, is this a day's ration packs? These are sort of army style. Does it take you back to... Places you'd rather forget? <laughs> no, I don't forget. I have very fond memories of those rations, but I've to sort of like add a bit of spice to it. On the fifth and tenth day, I don't know what's in the ration pack. So day one to four, I know exactly what's in there, but day five and ten, I will open a bag and in there will be enough nutrition for that day. But it'll be a surprise. 
Your mum and dad helped pack them, though. They haven't sort of double bluffed you and put stuff you hate in, have they? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past them, if I'm honest. What's the wor- worst possible thing that could have been in, in those packs? Mashed potato. I can't stand mashed potato. What do you think you'll miss the most food-wise? It's probably going to be something like um, roast chicken or something like that is probably the thing I'm going to miss the most. The Beckett Talk podcasts are released every Tuesday. So don't forget to check our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to find out more details on our next episode. See you next week.